So please open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. As we continue our study through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, we'll be looking at the first 31 verses of this chapter. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help with it. Our Lord Jesus, as we come to Your Word, we pray, Lord, that You would direct our hearts and our minds to be followers of You and to be faithful followers of You. Um, we pray that You would use Your Word to convict us of our sin to show us the truth that we might show others the truth as you've called us to do, to be your witnesses even to the ends of the earth. We're thankful for the many stories we've heard this morning about others being able to talk about you. And so, Lord, we pray that you use your word this morning to continue that passion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I read through this passage this week, it made me think about things that we're passionate about, things that we talk about. As you know, as as most of you probably know, my wife and I both uh, participate in CrossFit. And like many CrossFitters, we like to talk about CrossFit. That is one of the uh, kind of jokes concerning it, right? That That if you're in CrossFit, everyone talks about it. Uh, I've made a conscious effort, though, to be aware of that. I try not to just randomly let it seep into my conversations or uh, talk to someone about it unless it makes sense to talk about it, obviously. But honestly, next to my family and church and and work, uh, this is the thing that I like most. This is what I think about the most. This is uh, what I devote a lot of my time to each week. Why? Because I like doing it. I like throwing heavy weights around, and I like getting in better and better shape as I near the age of 40. Uh, it's been a real life changer for me, to be honest. There are lots of things out there that have followers that are very passionate about them. Um, board gamers are another one, of course. Uh, some sports teams, you know, some people follow a school or a particular city, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, they'll just, they like that, you know, uh, when we were in Mississippi, it was Ole Miss, it didn't matter if it was Ole Miss, whatever, they were about it, they were for it, just really passionate about it. We probably all have something like that that we like to talk about, we love to have our conversations veer into that, it makes us exciting, It's it's very passionate, or we're very passionate about those things, we all love to be an expert about something. And when someone mentions that thing that you're passionate about, we can't help but talk about it. We just love it. It's normal. So in our text today, that sort of passion is building for the believers in the book of Acts. The Lord is continuing to add to their number. More and more, we're just going to read that over and over again. The Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number. They're becoming a sizable group. In the, in the city of Jerusalem. Their enemies are definitely beginning to take notice, however. That will be a theme that will start in this passage today. The enemies of those who follow Christ. And they will continue to the last chapter where Paul is being imprisoned in Rome. Though the enemy's hatred will grow to match the church's new membership, 
because they're just that the church then still continues to talk about Jesus. Many times it's going to grow even in spite of that. And they'll continue to talk about Jesus, even though it's going to cost them their freedom and many for many of them, their lives. I think in, it's a passage that causes us to think about our own passions. Of course, it's fine to be passionate about CrossFit or quilting or hunting or whatever it is that you're passionate about. It's also fine to talk about those things. But we have to ask ourselves, are we talking about the most important things? Are we talking about that name that is above all names, Jesus Christ? So we'll consider this question and others as we look at the text. We'll consider three main ideas here. The gospel before the ruling council, the gospel before all of Jerusalem, and then the gospel before the church itself. And so with that, let's read the text. Chapter 4 of Acts, verses 1 through 31. Let's stand together in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 1, starting at, or Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to you, or to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they, that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them. This is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone this in his name or in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because all the people are because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voice together to God, saying, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against the holy servant of Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated. So just to reorient us where we are, remember last week we looked at the story of the beggar who had been lame from birth. Today we're told that he was more than 40 years old currently. He was healed. He was caused to walk through the power of God working through Peter and John. This caused quite a stir in the temple. Peter took that opportunity to open God's word to them and to preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts, the book of Acts, is like 40% speeches just like Peter's. And so it makes it great. It's a great way for us to see the apostles exposit the biblical texts and then to answer their critics with these flawless types of apologetics or defenses against the faith and with or for the faith. It's very, very helpful for us as believers. Today's passage is very full, lots going on here. So I think it's a good reminder for us as we go through this book. If we wanted to, we really could spend a lot of time breaking down every individual thought as into an individual sermon even. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the famous preacher, uh, he spent 118 Sundays in this book. Uh, which is a bit over two years, taking nothing away from Dr. Lloyd-Jones, who is probably one of the best expositors of Scripture ever. Uh, I do not want to be an axe that long. Uh, we preach through books, and we want to preach through as many as possible, uh, to be honest. And so there are a lot of things in the text that I'd love to just park for a while, uh, but I want to get this, the main idea. Obviously, after the service, we have more than ample time to work through any questions if you have them. The ruling council here that Peter and John were up against was known as the Sanhedrin. It's the same group that put Jesus on trial, turned him over to Rome. It's the same group that will continue to make life difficult for the disciples of Christ in this book. Uh, It's basically a group of rabbis who were kind of the judge and jury when it came to the law of Jerusalem. They hated Jesus, uh, as we saw in the Gospels. And they hate the apostles because they hate Jesus. They don't want even to mention the name of Jesus. They 
don't preach in his name. That's what they keep saying. The first persecution of the church happened because of Jewish groups like the Sanhedrin. But remember, they acted just like unbelievers we would expect them to act. This is why the response of the apostles was always to preach the gospel to them with boldness. This is exactly what we see here. Peter and John did not back down from the threats of this high council, but they continued to preach Christ. And that brings us to the first point, the gospel before the ruling council. Look at verses 1 and 2. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Notice why they were annoyed. Because they were preaching Jesus and the resurrection. There was no kind of civil disruption or lawlessness. They were just simply sharing the name of Jesus Christ. They hated it for different reasons, of course. The Sadducees here are mentioned. They're kind of like the liberal group there in in Jerusalem. They hated because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And this whole uh, Jesus being raised from the dead kind of ruined their whole religion, really. The priests, of course, saw themselves as the pious ones. and, And Jesus threw a wrench in that as well. And so, of course, they're not, none of these groups are happy. And they're definitely not group, uh, happy that these disciples, whom they thought they had chased off by killing the leader, are actually now growing a lot by leaps and bounds. So they arrested them. And notice what happened. What do we read right after that? That there was like 5,000 at this point. The number continued to grow, even though they were being arrested And they were being questioned by these authorities. It reminds me of the book of Exodus, which we're going to spend quite a bit of time today in Sunday school as we look at the Mosaic Covenant. In Exodus chapter 1, we read of the the people of, of Israel. And verse 12 says this, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. Back in Egypt, what was the fear? The fear was, well, Israel's going to take us over. Right? Well, they, they were fearing the wrong thing. But what's, what's the fear here in Acts? The same idea, right? These, these new followers of Christ are going to take us over. Of course, they're fearing the wrong thing. They should be fearing the one that they follow. Very similar is going on in this, in the church. All over the world, really, as the church continues to grow and face Opposition sometimes it grows even because of that opposition. And so they were put before the Sanhedrin the next day. And this question, of course, that the Sanhedrin asks Peter is like the biggest beach ball question that they ever could have asked a gospel preacher like, like Peter. They ask him, verse 7, By what power or by what name did you do this? Of course, Peter just has to be thrilled that this question was asked to him. Basically, what are they asking him? By what authority do you do this? This man was just lame yesterday. Now he's not. Which they just kind of glaze over. By what authority are you doing this? So then Peter proceeds to preach the gospel to them. What does he first do? Well, he first makes sure that they understand 
that the healing of this man has nothing to do with him, but has to do with Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. But what then does he do? He connects this physical healing of this man to the spiritual healing that all men need. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How did Peter offer, or what was his answer to the healing of this name? In the man, in the name of Jesus. Where does man only find found uh, salvation? Only in the name of Jesus. And then he connects Jesus with the Old Testament again, of course, in Psalm 118. Turn, turn with me to Psalm 118. We recited it today in our uh, call to worship, but I want you all to see this. Psalm 118, right after one of the shortest psalms, I think these shortest psalms, Psalm 117. Psalm 118, let's start at verse 19. And what's going on here is the psalmist is wanting to worship the Lord and he's being oppressed. And verse 19 says this, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them, and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So again, the idea of the psalmist is coming to worship God. He has these gates that are blocking the way to worship. These righteous gates. Who can go through them? Only the righteous can enter through them. The psalmist, whoever... The psalmist was, in this case, thanked the Lord that he was allowed to worship. But ultimately, he doesn't point to himself as the reason he's allowed to worship. He points to the only righteous one, Jesus Christ. In him are we allowed to worship. What does Jesus call himself in John 10? He calls himself the great shepherd, but he also calls himself the door by which we must enter through. How are we able to come to worship Him through His righteousness alone? Only through only the righteous one is allowed to enter to worship. The Lord Jesus is our righteousness. And then He goes on and talks about this idea of the cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? It's not something we think about often today. The cornerstone was the first stone set down for any building. And it was basically the corner of two walls. And from that stone, everything else was going to be based off of. Well, what the psalmist says and what Peter is drawing from in order to talk about the builders who were the chief priests in this case. The stone that the builders threw out and said this stone is no good. 
the one whom the Sanhedrin crucified, they exchanged a robber and a thief for their this cornerstone. This cornerstone is now being preached to them. Jesus Christ. And his name is the only one through which you can find or you can have salvation. He calls them out on this right on the spot. They are the builders that rejected Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Think about it. He is the stone by which all other things should be aligned. And to not do so means what? Eternal punishment. Rejecting the cornerstone is, in many ways, seeing yourself be rejected. He finishes with one of the most quoted lines in the New Testament, definitely one of my most quoted. There is no other name by which man must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ, given to Mary and Joseph, because he would save his people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means salvation. So what do we do with this as the church today? Again, it's easy for me to talk about things like CrossFit or board games with just about anyone. In fact, sometimes I'll even steer the conversation that way if I think it's like going to be about weather or current events or something dumb. And so I'll just say, well, let's talk about this because it's more interesting to me, right? I'd rather talk about things that have substance, things that I'm passionate about. And so... I kind of steer the conversation that way. Hey, you ever heard of this game? Or you ever heard of CrossFit? Sure you have. Everybody talks about it. You know, that kind of thing. So, what does it take instead then to steer that conversation to Jesus? Admittedly, we aren't often given the kind of softball that Peter was given here. It would be nice. Uh, so, Mike, tell me what, what by what name you do all things. Well, that would be really Nice and easy, wouldn't it? But when we're looking, when this is part of what we're looking for, when we're in our conversations and everything that we do, there are many, many ways to enter into this type of conversation. In my own profession as a teacher, I'm limited, obviously, by the state laws that don't allow me to offer these things, and I follow those laws, but at, but I am able to answer questions the kids have concerning their world and my view on things as an adult. As I've gained their trust, more and more they want to know, Mr. Chipman, what do you think about this? And it's, when I'm asked, I'll speak about those things. Inevitably, I cannot answer those questions without talking about my faith which some disagree with. Some of the students, they don't see eye to eye with me on that faith, but but they at least respect the fact that I've said what I said. One thing that Acts is going to continue to teach us is to how to have these types of conversations about Jesus. Over and over again in Acts, the people, or the, the, the Christians, are put before the rulers, they're put before different people, they're put in different situations that are not at all what we would think of as church situations, and they are able to bring the gospel to bear on the lives of the people there. What's the worst that the people are going to say? You talk about Jesus too much? Hopefully they would say that about us. So next point is the gospel before all of Jerusalem. 
Look with me at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and, and they were astonished. One of my favorite verses here, this mix of boldness and uneducated, sometimes doesn't mix well. Um, but when it comes to sharing one's faith, it might actually be the best mix. Sometimes our education sophisticates us away from our faith, sadly. So there they are. They've got this healed man that's standing with them who hadn't stood in 40-something years. And these leaders are at a loss at what to do. They cannot simply explain away this man standing. It's not like there was this uh, great ruse that he would not walk for 40 years and then all of a sudden Peter and John would come in and make it better. This man has been at the temple for years. Didn't know Peter and John. And all of a sudden, the three of them are standing there. One of them actually danced in to the temple the day before. And what do they do? They don't know what to do. Verse 16. This is kind of what they uh, came to. What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. It's evident to all Jerusalem what's going on. Of course it is. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you know that something like this was happening? This would spread like wildfire. Hey, that guy that was by the temple that hasn't ever walked as long as I've been alive, he was walking now. That would spread. That would be a big deal. They knew that these men were with Jesus. They knew that they were now preaching to folks and healing folks apparently now. This was the real deal. So they told them, don't talk about this anymore. Basically saying, okay, maybe if you'll just stop talking about it, everyone will just forget about it. It's almost like our media, right? We, if they, don't, they choose not to cover something, then we can just pretend that it's false. Well, that's not the way that it works. They believe that their answer is perfect. Well, look at 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I can't help it. They were willing to sacrifice their freedom, maybe even their lives at this point, in order to continue to speak about Jesus. And then they were released, because what are they going to hold them for? Even without democracy and due process, they knew that their charges would be bogus. But there was nothing they could hold them for, and so they let them go. And then, of course, there was rejoicing in the church. That phrase, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, should ring in our ears. Again, what were they called to do back at the very beginning of this book? They were called to be witnesses, and they have done just that. They could not help but speak about it. They were continually being faced with the evidence of Jesus and the working and the power of Jesus all around them. People were not only being saved, up to several thousand men at this point. It's not counting the women and the families that have been saved. But people are being healed right in front of them. They had to talk about it. This is their whole life. 
They couldn't help but bring it to light so that everyone could see and hear. Peter really believed that there was no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. The name of Jesus Christ. So what name did he preach? Jesus Christ. Question is for us, are we doing that? Do our concerns for the approval of people outweigh the zeal that we have for our faith? It's easy to put out the flames of our faith because maybe are they small to begin with? It's a question for us to seriously ask ourselves. We live in a society where it's becoming increasingly difficult to talk about our faith. Increasingly difficult because to do so is to align yourself with things that aren't popular. Right? It's not popular to stand up for the unborn against the murder that is abortion. It's not popular to speak truth concerning sexuality and gender issues. It's not popular at all. It's not popular to question scientific dogma when the world takes scientific fact on a leap of faith even. But they see us as crazy. It's not popular to say that even though there are many religions and many nice people that follow them, there is only one Savior, and it's Jesus. Your religions are wrong. And followers of them are going to hell. That's not very popular. Granted, for many, for many of you, your calling may not be, or may just be to speak to a friend who's hurting and searching for answers. And telling them they're going to hell may not be the great first conversation with them. But you have to know that conversations should lead to Jesus. And conversations about Jesus divide people. If they don't, they're not conversations about Jesus. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He said that in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. Not only will this message be hard for a dying world, but it will be harder for those who are dying even in the church. People who've grown up in the church and they've heard this message, but yet they don't know Jesus. And this is our task. It's a hard one. That brings us to the third point, the gospel before the church. So when they're released... They go to the other believers. It says that they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And so they start praying when they are released. And what are they praying through? They're praying through the second psalm. That quote there is from Psalm 2, which talks about how the world will basically shake its fist at its creator. Again, this psalm pointing to Jesus against the Lord and his anointed. That's Jesus, his anointed, not us. Notice the content of their prayer that they would be able to continually do what? Speak the word with boldness, even in the face of threats. 
that they would continue to do this. This is important for us because it shows us that not only did these folks share Christ with the world and talk about Christ with the world, but they also talked about their faith with each other. When they came together, they opened the scriptures together and they talked about Jesus. The Lord answered their prayer by shaking the house that they were in. And they continued to speak in boldness. So let me encourage you with this. Not only should you be speaking about Jesus with the lost, in many ways, that's easier than doing that with other believers. Why is that? Sometimes we have these odd barriers that we've put up against other believers or for other believers. You know, maybe denominations or other barriers that we've just kind of arbitrarily put up. But the church must be speaking boldly with each other as well. We cannot stop speaking the truth just because we're within the walls of the church. That's when we should be speaking it all the more. We're going to, next week, we're going to see one form of this as we look at the first part of Acts 5, calling other believers out in their sin, bringing the fear of God before the church. However, this also takes the form of encouragement, of iron sharpening iron, to quote a proverb. This is the primary way for me, as a young believer in particular, that I honed my knowledge and my skill, defending the faith, talking about the scriptures, answering questions that unbelievers might have. I did this with my brothers in Christ. We would do this for hours a day, talk together about what the Bible says, about what we thought the Bible said. Just have these really open and hard conversations about the scriptures. We should always be looking for this type of conversation. As we see here, the world is against us. Why are they against us? Because they're against the Lord and his anointed, Jesus Christ. They're against him. They will continue to plot against the church. Always. Just like we saw in this text. But it's in vain. If you'll know what the rest of Psalm 2 says, the Lord looks at them and laughs. And says, I have set my king on my holy hill. And that king is Jesus. He is the cornerstone that the whole world will do one of two things. They will either be comforted by him and he will give them rest. Or they will be shattered against him. One of those two things. So in conclusion, Jesus is this cornerstone. The entire building must be built with him as the base. If you're a believer, continue to trust this. Speak boldly about him, even when it's hard. I encourage you, read this book. See what Peter did, what he said. See what Paul did when he was faced with trial. They just simply talked about their faith. It was easy for them. It's not always easy for us. Granted, I understand that. But just trust in the Lord. If you're here this morning, and maybe you have questions about this, maybe you know you're not a believer, maybe you don't know if you're a believer, 
You have a choice this morning. Jesus is the Savior of the world. There is no other name under heaven among men by which man can be saved. You'll either be comforted by him, which I urge you, or you'll be dashed against him, and there'll be none to deliver. Receive comfort today. Call upon his name and be saved. There is salvation through no other than Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, let us continue to be bold in speaking the truth of the name of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Let's go in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, as we read of the boldness of Peter and John in the church, um, I'm astonished that so many times I think it would be easy to just shrink back. But these two, even in the face of prison or death, could not help but speak of what they had seen and heard. And so, Lord, we pray for that type of boldness. Lord, we pray that you would give us these types of situations, that you would give us situations in which we are given these types of questions. By what name? By what authority? Why do we live the way we live? Lord, help us. Give us these easy kinds of things because we need easy. Lord, we struggle. And so, Lord, we pray for more and more opportunities to talk about you. We we are so thankful for the many stories that we have heard this morning, the opportunities that so many have had to talk about Jesus. We pray that you would increase those by 20-fold, if it be your will. Lord, we are thankful for what you're doing. Continue to work through us and use us, that you might be glorified, that your name might be praised. It's in your name we pray. Amen.